Greetings and blessings in the new year. I was supposed to give a retreat or present talks for a retreat in the second weekend of January from the 6th to the 8th. But our infamous friend, the pandemic, put a stop to all of that. But that does not stop people from wanting to be nourished spiritually. I too watch the TV evangelists because both of all different denominations because I too want to be nourished spiritually. And so because of that, I decided I'd put the talks that I was supposed to give on tape for those who would like to listen to them, hopefully to get some spiritual fruit. As always, whenever I begin, I always ask the Holy Spirit to inspire me to encourage me to say the right things and also for you so that you when you hear these words get the fruit that the Holy Spirit would like you to have and so we pray come O Holy Spirit and fill the hearts of your faithful people and carry in us the fire of your divine love Lord send forth your spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. As we begin to pray, it is very important that we set the atmosphere because God is a very special friend. Think of a friend that you would like to go and meet. You wouldn't like to be distracted by other things. And so whenever I come, I'm very fortunate to have a chapel next to me. But I keep everything that will distract me away from me. I turn my phone onto airplane mode and put on the do not disturb so that no calls, no calls can come through. I make sure that I have a candle in front of me lit. It helps me to get a sense of this is a sacred place, this is a holy place. And if I have an icon or a holy picture, I put it in front of me. Now here in the chapel, I have that beautiful crucifix just behind me. And that is how I try to get into an atmosphere that is sacred, that is holy, a sacred space. And so I'd read for you just now something from the book of Exodus, chapter 3, verses 1 to 5, which helps to get that atmosphere of sacred space. Moses was out in the wilderness and as I passed by, he said, I shall see this great sight, why this bush is not being burnt up. And when the Lord saw that Moses was approaching, the Lord called to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, he, he said, what is it? And the Lord said, do not approach here. Take the sandals off your feet, for the place you are standing on is holy ground. Now Moses was not in the temple, Moses was not in Egypt in a sacred space, Moses was out in the wilderness. But there were two things that happened over here. Moses was seeking God, but God saw him first. And that is what happens in our lives, God always sees us first. And the second and most important thing for us during this time of prayer, he calls us by name. God calls us by name. Have that sense of being called, a sense of awe, a sense of 
I am special in God's sight, a sense of sacredness in God's sight. And if we have that atmosphere, it is very easy to get into this spirit of prayer. Now, the theme of our retreat is, as I put it on the Manresa website, is going fishing. And here in Canada, it is ice fishing at this time of the year. But to go fishing, we have to go on a journey. And so that is the theme of this particular talk. But just as when we go on a journey, we take, we make preparations. So there are two things I'd suggest to you before we go on this journey. And the first thing is, what do you want from this journey? What do you hope to get? I'd like to put you into a scriptural background, and this comes from John chapter 1, verses 38 to 39. We are in um, Galilee, just at the foot of the big, beautiful lake of Galilee, as it empties into the River Jordan. And John the, Baptist, John the Baptist is baptizing on the River Jordan, and two of his disciples are there. Now, they must have just come down from Galilee. They were Andrew, the brother of Peter, and John, the brother of James. They were disciples of John the Baptist. And there on the other side is Jesus. And this is what it is said in John chapter 1. On the next day, John stood and two of his disciples, Andrew and John, and looking at Jesus walking, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speaking, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and seeing them following, says to them, What do you seek? But they said, Rabbi, where do you stay? And he said, Come and see. The Jesuit scholar, uh, scripture scholar Nicholas King says that Jesus asks 44 questions in the letter in the gospel. And this is the very first question that is posed to Andrew and John. Whom do you seek? And he asked us that same question when we start this journey with him. What are you seeking for in this journey? Jesus will ask this again and again. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when the soldiers came to capture him, he said to them, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. Later on, after the resurrection, Mary Magdalene is searching to give Jesus a proper burial. And he sees her, and she does not recognize him. And he asks her the same question, Whom do you see? And now, as we start this journey, Jesus is asking us. And the point is, Jesus is calling us by name, just like he called Mary Magdalene. Whom do you see? So let us spend some time before this, uh, in, during this time of prayer. What have I come to this retreat for? What do I actually want? 
Each retreat that I've made in the past, I've had a different reason to come for that retreat. Sometimes it was a cross that I was carrying that I needed strength. Sometimes everything was going so beautifully. I came with a grateful heart. Sometimes I was in confusion and I did not know what was the next step to take. I wanted direction and that is what I wanted. There are many other things, but I'm not going to tell them or explain them because I might prejudice your mind. So you take some time and find out what do you seek during this retreat. And then write it down. It's very important. Because at the end of the retreat, at the end of this contemplation, you can look and say, did I get that? Did I get that grace or did I not? And if I did not, why? And if I got it, thank you, Lord. Having written down what I want, the next stage is, what does God want from me during this retreat? Is my, are my eyes open? Are my ears open? Is my heart open to listen to the word of God? And let me give you another scripture text. And this is from the Old Testament. And this is from the book of Samuel. The Lord called Samuel again a third time. And he got up and went to the high priest Eli and said, Here am I, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and calling again, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am, I am going to do something great in Israel that will make both the ears of anyone who hears it to tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from the beginning to the end. And so God is going to do great things for us during this journey that we make. But we have to be open and ask the Lord, just like Samuel did, Speak, Lord, what do you want from me? And this is very important because once we have got that and once we know that God wants from us something, then we can also keep our minds when God does ask for us. I'd like to tell you a story of a homeless man who lived in a, in, a, in a kingdom. Now, so this is a fable, a parable. So don't try to picture it, whether it's here in Pickering or Ajax or one of the places around. But this was in the good old days. And the king wanted to have everything beautiful for his people. Order, direction, harmony, the benefits of everybody. And so he made general rules, but he also knew that the general rules couldn't cover everything. And so once a week, he would stand at the city gates and people could come, line up and come to him and ask him for their individual needs. One would say, my house is broken down and I'm unemployed, I'm old, I've got a sick child, uh, I need some help to build, uh, to repair my roof. 
Another would say the cow that I had, which is my main livelihood, has died. Is it possible that I could get another house? A third would say because of COVID, my business is closed down. I can't pay the rent. I can't put food on, my, on the table for my family. A third might say somebody is sick and can we help me? And the king would <clears throat> listen to these people and help them as much as he could personally. And then there was this homeless man who said, you know, the whole world is against me. I have a right to at least a house, some clothes, some jobs. And so he decided he'd go to the king and propose the same things to the king. And as he was going on the way, he was hungry and he was passing a field of wheat. And so he removed corns, of, not corns, but grains of wheat and stuffed his pockets with a whole lot of grains of wheat. And he was throwing them into his mouth and chewing them. When he came up to the king, he started saying, well, I, I, before he could say anything, the king says, what have you got for me? And he was totally flabbergasted. What? He didn't say that loudly. You have everything, he thought in his mind. You've got everything. I've got nothing. You should be giving me, not I giving you. And so in frustration, he put his hand in his pocket, took out three grains of wheat and put it in the hands of the king. The king took the homeless man's hand, put something in his hand, closed the hand and said, when you leave, you can have a look at it. And when he went out, he found that the three grains had changed into three pieces of gold. And he banged his head and said, if only I'd put all the, all the grain in my pocket into the hands, I would have got this. And that is precisely what we are going into this journey as we uh, say to the Lord speak Lord your servant is listening to be there with an open mind and open heart and open ears so that there is a total transformation a heart that will matter in this important way that you and I are going to take the reason I chose this theme of the journey is probably because I'm a Jesuit uh, our founder, one of our founders, St. Ignatius of Loyola, had described himself as a pilgrim. He had chosen a life at the beginning which was honor and fame and glory, and he wanted to be do great things at the at the court of the, at the royal court. And then an accident caused him to be convalescing, and during that time he had a total conversion, a change of heart. And now he would start on a journey, a journey in which he wanted to find God. And his whole life was a journey from Loyola, from Aspasia, where he was recovering. He went on to Montserrat, to Manresa, to Barcelona, to the Holy Land, back to Barcelona, up to Paris to study, then to Venice on the hope of returning to the Holy Land and finally to Rome. And all that time he would describe himself as a pilgrim. And as a pilgrim, he had to prepare himself. And you remember what Jesus said when he sent his apostles out to travel with the lightest things. Do not carry a purse. Do not carry uh, an extra set of clothes, a staff in your hand. And you can go wherever you want to go because the Lord will provide. 
And so you and I are also on a journey. So where is our journey? Our journey begins from the day you and I were born till the day you and I will die. Now those dates are very significant to us personally. The year that I was born, the year that I will die. But in God's mind, those are years that are totally insignificant. What matters is the year I was born, dash, the year I will die. What did I do with that dash in between? The year I was born and the year that I'll die. That is what really matters. How did I interact with God during this whole time? Now, some of us may say, you know, I'm not a very religious person. I didn't have God in my mind the whole time. I'd go to church every now and then. Or some might say I went to church regularly. But the interaction with God, we don't think of that as being a part of our journey. And yet it is. What did Jesus say? Whatever you did to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. And so interacting with the people around me was an interaction with God. It was the story of that dash between the year I was born and the year that I will die. That is what really matters in the eyes of God. How did I make that fruitful? How did I make that useful? What are the falls that I had on that journey? How did I get up? All these things are very important in the eyes of God and in the eyes of the people around us because they have an effect on all those around me. And so I go through my life very much like the Israelites when they traveled from Egypt all the way into the Holy Land. There were days when their faith was very strong. When Moses went up into the mountain to pray, all of them stood at the door of their, temp of their tents and did not move until Moses came down from the mountain. They had a sense of deep faith and trust in a God who delivered them from the hands of the Egyptians. And then there were other days when just the opposite happened. There were days when they whined and complained. Why did you bring us out of Egypt to die here in the desert? There is no water. There is no food. We long for the wonderful things we had in Egypt, the leeks and the garlic and the onions and the cooked food. And here we got sand in our eyes and sand in our feet and sand in our food. And then I think that that is the pattern of our lives as we go along on this journey, as we describe the dash between the year we were born and the year we will die. There were people, men and women, who came in contact with us. They interacted with us. They had an impact in our lives, and we had an impact in their lives as well. And so I spent time thanking God for all the men and women who influenced my life. I think of a, a teacher, I think of a, of a master, because we had men and women <clears throat> teachers in our school. We call them women teachers and we call the males masters. And they taught us and they had an impact, the way they treated us, some with respect. And there were others who were very cruel. They yelled and shouted at us. And in those days, you could use the cane, and we did get the cane. And then there were certain teachers who were totally incompetent. They could not control the class at all. 
And all of these had an impact in our lives. And so I spent some time thanking God. Thanking God for the people that touched my lives in schools. And asking God to let me go. To let go of the anger, the hate, the lack of forgiveness for those who did not have a good impact in my life. And then my parents and my brothers and my sisters, those of us who have them. Some of us are very fortunate. I was very fortunate. I had parents who loved me and who died at the ages of 93 and 94. And all through their life, I knew they were special in their eyes and I was loved. But many others did not have that fortunate uh, experience. And so what happened is there is a built-up anger, there's a built-up hatred, there's a built-up unforgiveness. And it's not because they were cruel. Some of them died when we were very young. Some of them divorced and left us alone. And we had that sense of, it is so unfair. You were there to love me, you were there to care for me, and you go and die, I'm left alone. So for these occasions, I ask for healing deep down because this is a part of my journey, a part of my journey when Jesus is calling me to something greater. Let's go fishing. Let's go and do something important in life. And during that time, there were stumbling blocks. And so when I go on this journey, I realize that I am not alone. I am a pilgrim just like St. Ignatius was. And I have a staff in my hand as I go along. And the staff is the staff of the Good Shepherd. He walks with me. He helps me to cultivate a grateful heart for the good times in my life, for the parents and the priests, and for the men and women in my parish, or perhaps in my uh, athletics, who touched my heart over five and six decades of my life. I have friends that graduated with me. They were there with me from grade two all the way through grade 12. And then they still keep in touch with me. And I am so grateful. Some of them have died. And I've cried because they too touched my lives. And they've gone ahead. And I know that they are still in contact with me. There were others who caused me to limp. There were others who caused me to stumble on my journey. They injured me on my journey. And so this is not a time for chastising myself or getting ready to, to make a confession, but rather it is a time for bringing myself before the Lord and asking God to heal me. The time to let go of hurts and injuries let go of the jealousies and the anger and the unforgiveness that caused me to shrivel up in my heart, caused me to be tired on the journey, caused me to take a detour when I should not have taken a detour. And this is the time when I pause and I go through this, these decades of my life, putting myself in God's hands. And I feel the touch of God on my shoulder. I feel the touch of God in my heart. I feel the touch of God for things that I know I can't handle anymore. 
for things that I have to leave in the hands of God and say, you take care of them. And so I go back to what I started with. Whom do I seek on this journey? And Jesus is asking you and Jesus is asking me, just like he asked Andrew and John, whom do you seek? Jesus is asking in the same way as he asked the soldiers in the Garden of Gethsemane, whom are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth, I am he. Whom are you looking for? Jesus asked Mary Magdalene in the garden of the tomb. And she did not recognize him until Jesus called her by name, Mary, and she recognized him. And so Jesus is calling you and calling me now and calling us by name. Do we hear the sound of his voice? Are we ready to put our hand in the hands of the man from Galilee? Because he is going to walk with us. I'd like to end with a story called The Journey. And it is written by David White. About the mountains, the geese turn into the light again painting their black silhouettes in the open sky. Sometimes everything has to be inscribed across the heavens so you can find the one line already written inside you. Sometimes it takes a great sky to find that first bright and indescribable wedge of freedom in your own heart. Sometimes with the bones of the black sticks left when the fire has gone out, someone has written something new in the ashes of your life. You are not leaving even as the light fades quickly now. You are arriving. And we arrive together with the Good Shepherd, who invites you and me to come on a journey, a journey of joy, a journey of forgiveness, a journey of healing. God bless you all.